The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Play action. Vandenberg has McNutt and no one close to him. Could this be history? McNutt down the right sideline. Touchdown, Iowa. I don't I'm not sure who was defending McNutt on that play, but he wasn't in the 3-1-9 or 5-6-3 area code. <laughs> so Marvin McNutt with the touchdown, his sixth of the year, his 22nd receiving touchdown of his great career. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have two reporters' notebook segments in this podcast, once again featuring Mark Morehouse, who previews Iowa's upcoming game against the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and John Bonenkamp, who looks back at the Hawks' homecoming win over Indiana. You'll also hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Minnesota's Jerry Kill. This Hawkeye's Mike program is one in a series of our three weekly podcasts this year, which include regulars Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. The Iowa-Indiana game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, once again with announcers Eric Collins and Chris Martin. Another very good job calling this contest. We appreciate it and thank them. This is unprecedented ass-kissing. Heavy personnel. Coker, did he get in? Yes, he did. Touchdown, Fourth touchdown of this first half for Iowa. Second one by Marcus Coker. Yeah, this is just physical presence. Great blocking up front. Powerful runner. Too much for Indiana. He now has eight touchdowns on the year. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook for all your investment needs. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. Time now for part one of our reporter's notebook with John Bonenkamp. You can read John's articles in The Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. John looks back at the Indiana game. Well, John, we saw another example this past week of Iowa's offense really coming through when it needed to and putting up a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the game that I think everybody expected. I mean, Indiana's not very good. And, and as I said last week, this is an opportunity for Iowa to kind of work on some things and get some get some momentum here going into the last month of the season and and you could just tell that, that they were doing some good things on offense and, and it, it was it was a nice win for them and it was the kind of game that they really needed it do you see Vandenberg growing nicely into that job I know the players this week were talking about how he's really become their leader oh yeah there's no doubt about it I mean you can see that in how he's playing that he's he's really fitting into that role and I mean it, it's, it's it's a tough role to 
to have. And, and I think a lot, you know, I go back to something I've said a lot earlier, that a lot of people thought, well, he's got all this experience, and, and he really didn't have that experience. And so, you know, as, as you, you can see the progression game by game, he's, he knows where to go with the ball. He knows who to throw the ball to. His throws are getting better. And so, yeah, you can see him really growing into the job. How do you think he's going to fare, though, or not him so much as the entire offense when they face another good defensive team, which is obviously not going to be this Saturday, at least based on the records. But when you get to Michigan's got an improving defense, and of course Michigan State, the top defense in the conference, do you think the games like the last couple of weeks are letting the offense develop and grow the way it needs to when it faces oh, those yeah. tougher defenses? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I, I think that I think that you know again, you, you know, you as, as I I hate to put it in this way, but they're almost kind of like preseason games. You're playing teams that aren't aren't very good on the on the defensive side of the ball. So it kind of allows you to to do some things that you know that that you might not have been able to do preparing for those next couple of games if you were playing really good opponents. So what you're seeing is I, I think as you're seeing them, you're seeing these, these the offense really kind of you know come together without a lot of pressure. I mean because they know they're going to score the points anyway against these teams. So you're you're seeing them be a little more relaxed, seeing them do some good things, and I think I think they're going to be very well prepared for that Michigan Michigan State stretch that's coming up. And Coker had another terrific game, and we finally saw some backup running backs who also performed nicely. Yeah, he got some help. Shock. But I, you know, again, I'd like to, and, and he, Kirk didn't do this last week, and I hope he does it this week, and I, I'm going to venture to say he won't, is you've got to get some guys some experience. You've got to throw some guys out of the field that haven't played a lot, you know, late in the game, if, if the game's well in hand, and he kind of did that last week with, with the running backs. He needs to do that again this week if this game gets out of hand, and he needs to get these guys ready, because who knows if you might not need them. You know, you may need them at some point here in the, in the closing week. Yeah, I was struck watching Saturday. He didn't really get the backups in until late in the game, and he didn't bring in John Winky until, I think it was the last offensive series. Pretty surprised that Vandenberg stayed in that game as long as he did, and when Kirk was asked about it after the game, he kind of snapped at the reporter. Yeah, and, and, I, and I don't get that either, because, you know, again, this is part of why James was a little bit behind, you know, at the beginning of the year, because he didn't get a whole lot of experience last year in a few of these blowouts. So, you know, why not take him out a little bit earlier, give give somebody a second chance, because, again, you don't know what's going to happen down the stretch. You don't know if somebody's going to get hurt. You're putting yourself into the conversation now. If you, I mean, obviously, if they win this weekend, which I think they will, you, you know, you're in the conversation now of being in contention for that division title. And so, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be inexperienced at certain spots if something happens. So, why you don't have your backup quarterback in maybe a series or two earlier? Let him get a couple of throws against a, a Big Ten defense. Granted, not a very good one, but it's still an opportunity to get some game action. And, and I'm not sure why. He's not doing that, but I think he needs to do that on, on Saturday. I think some guys need to get in there just to get some playing time. Vandenberg took a couple of nasty hits there towards the end of the, his playing time last Saturday when Indiana started blitzing. Yeah, and that's and that's the other thing that you worry about is, is you know if you get if you get into a game, especially a rivalry game, which is what this week's going to be, and if it turns into a blowout, it can easily get chippy, and you don't want to be in that situation where something bad happens and somebody blitzes. Thing, you know, something like that. It, you know, it's just not a good thing sometimes. And so I think, I think if you're in a situation. 
situation where that game kind of gets, you know, where there's some, you know, some tempered squaring or whatever. Get these guys out of the game because you've got bigger things to work on here in the next few weeks. Let's continue to talk about the uh, good things before we turn to the negatives here. Probably the best performance of the season on special teams kickoff coverage and against a pretty good returner in the Big Ten, too. Yeah, and again, that's the that, that I think this team really needed to develop here. I mean, because special teams have been so horrible, especially, you know, in this few weeks ago. So you want to be, you know, you it's good to see that because now you can, now you've got something on tape to show them and say, this is what you did right. And so now now there's a little bit of momentum there. Now they're starting to play well. They're starting to do some things there. And that was, that was an area that could really have been some problems, you know, as you go down the stretch. But it seems like they kind of cleared some of those things up. And it looks like Iowa has at least two kickoff returners who have the potential to break some big runs. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, those are those are things that that's an aspect of the game that I think you really need. You have to have that. You have to have that big play threat. You have to have that guy that, that can take kickoffs and punts back for scores. And, you know, obviously they've got a lot of speed on that team and a lot of talent. I think maybe now you're starting to see that kind of fit in in, in the special teams. And that's something they really need at this point. Yeah, and obviously we were referring to Bernstein and, and uh, Kanzeri there. And, and then those are, those are fat, those are speed guys that, that really had kind of been underutilized here in the few, first few weeks in, in, in that game. And now you're starting to see him. You know, now, now you're putting him in there. And I think, you know, with special teams, especially at the college level, you're just throwing, you know, you want to find the best combination of guys. And sometimes you're playing starters, you know, in that situation, you know, it's so important. But I think now they've kind of found the right combination. Okay, now let's turn to the potentially negative. Is, is it unfair to say that, at least based on the stats and besides that, what our eyes see, that at best, this is a mediocre defense bordering on bad? I would call them... Um, maybe a little bit up, a very average defense bordering on near mediocre. You know, I mean, I, there's some issues there, and I mean, some of it has, has come up with injuries and, and whatever, and, and those those things happen. But I do think that there are some issues there, and I, you know, you're still letting big plays happen. You're still not doing some things, and you're, you know, yes, they they're the bend that don't break offense, but sometimes you you can't afford to bend. And so, I mean, if, if there is a weakness of this team going into the final month of the season, it's that. I, I don't know if it's something that can be corrected at this point. I mean, you, you have what you have. You know, it's not like in the NFL you can't trade for somebody to fill in a spot or whatever. So you, you know, what you're seeing on the field right now is what you're going to get the rest of the season. So it's up to them to execute the game plan, and, and I'm not so sure they can do that really effectively, and so that's going to put a lot of pressure on the offense. I think. It's interesting you know, a few years ago when you started to see these, I'll call them exotic offenses, if I can use Hayden Fry's old term, where we only, Iowa only played maybe two or three of those kinds of teams a year. And Norm Parker's defense always matches up really well against a smash mouth pro style offense, uh, similar to what Iowa's traditionally run. Well, now here we are in 2011, and it seems like all but about two or at most three teams Iowa's going to play this year are running these high octane offenses and, and I don't know whether it's a matter of, of they don't have the right personnel anymore to run Norm's mano a mano defense uh, or whether the defense is somehow fundamentally flawed in being able to shut down these kinds of offenses. I, 
think it's the latter. I think it's, I mean, the personnel is, is what Norm wants, and the personnel is what Norm wants for his scheme. The difference is offensive schemes are evolving now at this point. You're, you know, as, as you mentioned, you're, you're running spread offenses, which means you're going to have to have, you're going to have to have, you know, speed in the backfield and speed at linebacker. It also means that you're going to, you know, you're also seeing now bigger wide receivers. So now you're going to have to go out and find tall quarterback. Well, you know, what you're looking at is what everybody wants. You know, it's everybody wants those kind of players. So it's just going to be a question at this point is how how norm defense evolves to the offenses they're seeing. And right now, the personnel they have doesn't fit with what they're having to face right now. And there's, there's, there's not a lot of speed there in the backfield and defensive backfield. You know, you have to have that. And you have to have size back there, too. And that's a problem. Yeah, it's, I think thinking ahead, the only team left on Iowa's schedule that doesn't play some version of the multiple sets is Michigan State. Everybody else that they're going to face has a mobile quarterback and good wideouts, and maybe other than Minnesota. So you're going to probably have those challenges for the rest of the year. You're going to have those challenges the rest of the year. And I mean, if they play the way that the defense plays the way they do against Northwestern, they'll have a really good chance of winning a lot of those games. If they, if they revert to what they were in September and early October, they're going to have some problems. And so that's something that I, I think that they just have to be grateful because, like you said, they're going to see mobile quarterbacks the rest of the way. They're going to see different, you know, they're going to see a lot of speed so now they have to be ready for that. And I think that, to me, is going to be one of the biggest things that, that they have to do here in the last three or four weeks to get that taken care of. And I'm not sure, I'm not so sure they can. I have so many theories. Why not go back to the end zone? McNutt this time Second touchdown of the ball game for Marvin McNutt, and he increases his all-time Iowa record. Eric, this is just the defensive back checklist. We talked about it earlier. When they go in the red zone, McNutt's going to run one of two routes. It's going to be a quick slant or fade. Iowa, folks, they have scored three touchdowns in their last seven offensive plays. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about facing a struggling Minnesota team this Saturday. Uh, their team is very well coached. Uh, they're playing very hard. Uh, you know, Jerry Kill's done a great job everywhere he's been, and they've, he's got tremendous staff. <clears throat> a lot of those guys have been with him for quite some time. So, as I mentioned, their team's playing hard right now. Uh, they're making probably too many mistakes. He'd probably be the one to tell you that, that really hurt him. Uh, but I think, you know, if you look at it statistically right now, the area they're doing the best is on special teams. No big surprise. Playing hard in all three phases and special teams-wise uh, is probably the top top feature for them right now. They're leading the Big Ten in kickoff coverage, and that usually gives you a little attitude or indication of the attitude of a football team. So, uh, you know, they're working hard at it, and they've played a couple good teams the last couple times out. 
And, uh, you know, all I know is we're going on the road. We haven't won on the road yet, and it's going to be a big challenge for us. Ference talks about not winning a road game for nearly a full year. You know, I'll go back to this game last year. We, we didn't play well, and they did. It's about as simple as that. They, they came ready to play. Uh, we did not, and they outplayed us all three areas. You know, we, we played fine in Arizona. I count that. That's, that's not a home environment. And, uh, you know, so there's no mystique about being in a different place. It's just how you handle things and how you play that given given day. You know, we certainly uh, didn't do well up in Minneapolis last year. We didn't deserve to win. They did. And, you know, that's, that's about as simple as that right there. Coach Ferentz was asked about Marcus Coker's progress at this point in the season. Yeah, I think his yards per carry was up around six last weekend. You know, it was pretty good the week before in the season. Yards per carry is starting to creep up there a little bit. And the biggest thing, you know, that, that stuff's kind of important, but it's uh, just an indicator, I think, what we're seeing on the field. He's, he's running a little bit more decisively now, a little bit more confidently. And you know, I've mentioned several times he was nicked up in camp. And... You know, when players miss practice time, especially significant time, it really tends to show on the game field. So, you know, with him uh, gaining ground, that's helpful. And I think, you know, we're starting to see maybe we can get some other guys to help out a little bit too, which is really going to be necessary the next five weeks. Occasionally, people get a little carried away with a one-game performance. Occasionally, that happens. You know, and uh, that that's a downside of doing well, you know, in a stretch or uh, in, a, in a particular game. But, you know, for anybody to expect the guy to come in and get 220 yards a game is probably unrealistic. And, you know, those things just happen typically. When they do happen, that's, it's great. But that, that's usually not the, the norm. So, you know, that's something we try to guard against in coaching. Just, you know, got to be realistic about expectations and worry about what's in front of you. But, you know, you can't do anything about injuries. He practiced well in the spring. He had a little, little uh, tough stretch there in camp, but I think he's, I think he's on, the, on the right path now, and it's, it's good to see him running hard. And Kirk talks about his team's defensive struggles, adjustments that can be made, and personnel limitations in the scheme. You try to adjust what you are, you know, who you are. You, you are who you are, and uh, that changes with personnel. And uh, you know, I just had a guy on the phone from up there ask me about, uh, you know, we're looks like we're more of a passing team than a running team. You know, and the, and the image of our team is always that we've been a running team. You know, I guess that's true. I don't know if it is or not. It certainly was when Sean Green was here. But, you know, you, you, you lean towards uh, what you have and what you're best at. You know, but I think, you know, again, perception's kind of, you know, we're, we're probably doing a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more intricate than maybe meets the naked eye. You know, we're trying to make some adjustments that will help us and, you know, we'll continue to tinker a little bit, but you can't you can't just you know change the face of what you do. I don't think uh, that probably wouldn't be a good sign. It means it means you just got wiped out at a position, or you just you know you hit the panic button, which I you know I don't think we're in that situation in either either case. Yeah, in my experience, at least, if if you wanted to go to a 34 team, it's it's more about the linemen than it is the. I mean, you got to have linebackers. Obviously, there's one more than you would in a 4-3, but it's really about your linemen. It's a whole different. Uh, type of lineman that you play with, you know, and I don't know that it would suit what we have, you know, if, if you're looking at that, but, and there's a lot of things you can do, it's just, it's, uh, typically what you do is you adjust within your system, and just like us, you know, we're throwing the ball better right now than we are running it, although I, I would suggest the last two weeks, I think we've made, made some improvement, all the numbers would still say, I think we threw it for more than we uh, ran it last Saturday, but, but, you know, I think we did both effectively, and that's the whole idea is to, to you know, be able to be effective and efficient and find find a way to do that. I told him, you know, a lot of people still think of Iowa being the big lineman. I'll bet you we've had the smallest offensive line in the last decade. I'll bet you that everybody in the conference thinks we got the biggest guys. we got to be the only team without a 300-pounder on the offensive line right now, I would think. I don't know.
Next, we hear from Minnesota head coach Jerry Kill, who talks about the contract extension he received this week and the importance of stability and commitment in rebuilding a football program like Minnesota's. It's one of those things where felt it was important for us coming in as a coach and coming into the program and seeing where we were at and the discussions with my agent and Joel and, and, and uh, also the president, you know, I felt we needed time to do it right. And in the situation that we're in, and I'm not blaming anybody, it's just the situation we're in, is that we have some, we have some things that uh, we got to get corrected. And I think that coming in, um, you know, there's, that, that um, there was more things than I thought, and even probably Joel thought there was things in there that it's going to take time. We've got some issues, and uh, from uh, academics uh, to, to different things. And when you, you're at a place where we're at, there's going to have to be a huge investment to, to get back at it. And, uh, you know, and I shared that with Joel, and I shared it with our president. I mean, it's like me and I grew up in the state of Kansas with K-State sitting there, and I remember my dad saying at the supper table, they ain't ever going to win at K-State. They're never going to make a commitment. Heard that here in Minnesota. I mean, it's like my dad speaking. And uh, you know what? They hired a president, Bill Snyder. When I took the job at Southern Illinois, I went and visited Bill Snyder and talked with him before we did it. When I went to, to Southern Illinois, we were lined up, president, athlete, we all got on the same page and they were going to drop football program there. And we all said, this is what we're going to do. And But it, it was going to take some time. And we we're going to take some hits. And we we're going to take some public hits. And we're going to, you know, that's part of it. You got to have some mental toughness because it ain't going to be easy. And so, you know, I felt like to do it right, you don't want to do it the quick fix way where we needed to be is that, um, you know, that we needed to have that time. And uh, so I was fortunate that uh, uh, our administration, Joel, and, and visiting with the president, they felt the same way. And, uh, you know, it uh, makes it to where, again, you, you don't have to worry about trying to do something a quick fix way. And uh, where we're at, and I mean, I'm not trying to, I get emails, coach, you, you may, I'm just, shooting being honest I mean we're very similar to that and uh, it's going to take when you're in a situation when you're down here and a lot of your competition's here you're going to have to invest a heck of a lot to get get up in there and uh, it's more than just the coach and it's investment from a lot of people and uh, you know certainly before I did this is that you know I, I all I can tell you is this I've said the same thing since the day I walked in. I've been darn honest. And, uh, you know, um, I wouldn't be doing what we're doing today, but I believe in the president. And I told the people I wouldn't do anything until I knew. And I, I know our president is 110% in, period. And uh, I feel very confident with that, with, without a doubt. And I can say that today, and, and I look forward to working with our administration and Joel and the president and um, you know we all know what we need to do and to be honest with you it, it, a lot of people we got to quit talking about how it got there and all those kind of things we got to talk about how we're going to fix it. Kill talks about the improvement he saw from his team in the Nebraska game last weekend in spite of the outcome. There, there's no question we played better than we did against Purdue I mean I you know I know what I think and I'll get to watch the film and I, I would tell you there's no question that, uh, that like Zach Epping, he plays an offensive line for us. He's a red shirt freshman. He played very, very well. 
up front in the offensive line, you know, uh, four of the five really played really, really well. And against the defense, that, uh, a good, you know, a good defense, you know, really controlled the line of scrimmage. Now, if you're a fan, you probably didn't see that, but we didn't have a lot of minus yardage. We've had a ton of it. We had in the first five games, we had more minus yards here than we had in the three years I was at Northern. So we had a lot of minus yards, but we did a good job up front. Um, our wide receivers blocked better and were much more aggressive. Uh, we didn't catch the ball in crucial situations when we needed to. Um, we didn't maybe make some decisions at quarterback that, that put us in a tough time to where our offensive line wouldn't look as good. And then our running back-wise, we didn't have real good vision at running back. We had some creases up there. You know, sometimes those guys run in the middle of your back and you'd like to tell them, hey, move over. There's a crease in here. And uh, But we didn't see our, our vision at running back wasn't real good. We had some creases up in there. So I thought the biggest thing was and that, that offensive line is pretty fairly young and we played a lot of people in there. And I thought that was better. We, we, we've got some good kids that are really trying hard and they're really working hard. And uh, we just got to continue to recruit more good kids. You're going to work very hard and you just keep going. And then all of a sudden that cycle will hit and you get going. Looking ahead to this Saturday's game, the Iowa football complex sits empty now. That is, empty of rivalry game trophies for as long a stretch as many can remember. That can change this Saturday when the Hawks travel to Minneapolis to face a transitioning Golden Gophers team in the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale at TCF Bank Stadium. Iowa stands at 5-2 this year, goes into this contest with a two-game winning streak, but hasn't won a road game in nearly a year. Minnesota is only 1-6, struggling to make the transition to a new coaching staff and a stated commitment to a longer-term approach in football at Minneapolis. This is the 105th meeting between the two schools. Minnesota leads the all-time series 60-42-2, and the Gophers put a dagger in the Hawks' heart last season in Minneapolis when it upset an unprepared Iowa team. The Hawkeyes have won eight of the last ten games in the series, and these two teams have been battling over the bronze pig since a 1935 bet between the governors of the two states, although at that time, Floyd was an actual living, breathing hog. Kirk Ferentz is in his 13th year as head of the Hawkeyes with an overall record at Iowa of 94 and 62, and he's 8 and 4 against Minnesota. Jerry Kill is in his first year at Minnesota, but has been a head coach for 18 years with a career record of 128 and 79, which is pretty impressive given the downtrodden programs he inherited and resurrected. Part two of our Reporter's Notebook this week features Mark Morehouse. You can read Mark's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com. Mark previews the Iowa-Minnesota game. Well, Mark, let's talk about the Hawkeyes game coming up this weekend at Minnesota. They got by two of the three teams that people hoped or expected they would beat in Northwestern and Indiana, and now they go up and face the Gophers for Floyd of Rosedale. And it's a kind of a revenge game last year, Minnesota. I don't want to say they ruined the Hawkeyes team. I think they added insult to injury with, uh, you know, taking Floyd away for the first time in three years. So that turns into a little bit of a grudge game for the Hawkeyes. I mean, they have um, lost the last their last three trophy games so they have the uh, the unfortunate formation of getting out of the way for the other guys to grab the trophy formation down um hopefully they can uh, work on the other one now but yeah minnesota it's new jerry kill new coach feeling its way around 
Uh, he has he, he got a, about a two-year contract extension this week, so um, they're feeling good. I remember when uh, the last time a coach I covered got a contract extension was Kirk Ferentz. Was, the year was 2000. That was an extension. It was actually he signed his contract. Uh, he, he agreed to coach the Hawkeyes, and then went the first about I don't know, I think 16 games, 16 or 18 games without actually signing his contract. And then when he did, uh, the Hawkeyes kind of celebrated by going out and beating uh, Penn State at Penn State in 2000. So maybe the Gophers get a little bump from that. Maybe they don't. Who knows? Yeah, they obviously believe in Kill up there. They wouldn't have done that extension. And it's kind of interesting timing at this point in the season and given the struggles Minnesota's had all year. Maybe it's a bump. Maybe they go for a kill bump. I don't know. But uh, uh, I think it shows that, yeah, they are committed to him. And they should be. I mean, he's a coach who, he, he came up the hard way. He, played, he coached in Division Two. He, he coached, uh, you know, all over the lower levels of Division One. He coached in FBS. Uh, he coached in Northern Illinois. I mean, he really climbed the ladder. He, there's no silver spoon in this guy's on this guy's resume. I mean, he worked his way up, and uh, you know, he's had some unfortunate health issues this year. With uh, you know, he had uh, kidney cancer a few years ago, fought through that, and he survived. Because of that, he had some seizures happening this year, out of that are stemmed from dehydration. But that seems to be past him. He seems to be better, and you know, maybe. <laughs> Maybe the team will follow suit. Maybe not. They're they're uh, they're they're not uh, they're not very good. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's been some pretty flat out complaints coming out of Minneapolis about how bad Tim Brewster left that Minnesota team. The kind of shape it was and the players that he had brought in. He was all bluster, Tim Brewster. I mean, he came in and ta- started talking rose bowls right away, and that uh, doesn't make sense. I mean, it just it just, just didn't commute compute and it doesn't now either uh, I think uh, uh, one thing you look at Jerry Kill for Minnesota his, his defensive coordinator Tracy Clays has been with him for 12 years his offensive co- coordinator I think his name I think his name is Jerry Limegrover he's been with him since 95 I think uh, and you know Minnesota has been through uh, I want to say in the last 11 years they've been through almost double digit offensive coordinator so a little continuity they're bringing in a staff that's been together for a while uh, so it's a system that works it's a system that they've tried in a lot of places and have won with Um, so yes I mean maybe the pieces will eventually be in place they're just not this year talk about Minnesota's offense what should Iowa fans expect to see out of that or what will they try to do they will try to do what a lot of teams are doing in the Big Ten They'll, they'll run a spread they'll try to run mostly out of the spread this is more of a run team uh, and they have maybe the biggest running back in the Big Ten. And I want to say Mark Marquise Gray is sort of a poor man, Terrell Pryor. Big guy, can run fast. Um, he just doesn't have the, the, the Batman utility belt of players that uh, Terrell Pryor had. So a little bit like that, uh, Minnesota passing-wise is sort of a road pond. I mean, they, they're the lowest pass efficiency in the Big Ten. Uh, I think it's 102.4, 104, something like that. And then they had some fewest touchdown passes in the Big Ten at eight. So that's a problem. I mean, the offense is kind of works. It's a spread. It, it wants to run the ball. It has. Dejan McKnight is a good wide receiver. Iowa fans know him. He's, he's played. He's, I think his career was six catches against Iowa for 103 yards. Uh, but then the defense. You get to Minnesota's defense, and it's 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 pretty bad. How will Iowa's defense? match up with that offense? What will Norm Parker try to do? You know, that's a great question. One thing uh, I wonder uh, about personnel for Iowa at linebacker, you know, Ferentz said early in the week that they're looking at eight, eight to ten players. 
I imagine that's eight to ten linebackers. No, I'm kidding. It probably isn't eight to ten linebackers, but it sure feels like it sometimes. <laughs> so I I I expect Tyler Nielsen to play. I'm not sure about James Morris, which might give Iowa. You know, James Morris on one leg is is. It's just not given. It's not a fair fight for the kid. And, you know, he revealed this week he has a high ankle sprain. And that's the one that takes three weeks, in my opinion, to come back from. Three weeks off. He suffered this against uh, Penn State. Four plays into the game, finished the game. Uh, made. Uh, did he? You know, he sat the next week against Northwestern. Then he made it out uh, last week against Indiana. I would sit him this week. I would go with uh, half healthy, <laughs> a one-handed uh, Tyler Nielsen, who is coming off a broken hand and some surgery, and he missed last week, but he should be good to go this week. When you say they run multiple sets and they run mostly, is that sort of like a sort of a triple option situation, or is it just that they're more run-oriented coming out of those schemes? You know, I haven't seen them as much as I should. I don't know if they're triple option like Indiana was. Indiana was was a pretty scary, pure triple option. That was run by a retro freshman, or no, by a true freshman, Trey Rose. True freshman, yeah. And it worked, and it worked for a while. I, I don't think Minnesota has the standout type running back. I mean, Indiana's running back with Stephen Houston was nice. Uh, Dwayne Bennett is a nice running back, but I don't think he's the same running back as Stephen Houston. I don't know if Minnesota has the overall weapons, uh, but they, you know what? I could see him trying to stretch the field and trying to pass out of. Uh, out of the quarterback uh, run, you know, run pass option. I can see that Iowa's defense has uh, demonstrated weakness against that until the field closes down. Iowa's defense, I get it. you have to give them credit for the red zone defense. It's number two in the Big Ten. When the field gets short, it can defend and it's tough to score on. But, but Minnesota, I expect Minnesota to move the ball. I expect them to score this game. Iowa hasn't shut anybody down. I mean, if you're going to shut somebody down, it would have been Indiana last week with a true freshman on the road, and that was still 415 yards of offense. Talk a little bit about Minnesota's defense and how the Hawks match up and what you might try to see an emphasis on this weekend. Minnesota's defense is, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Yeah. It's got, it's veteran. Uh, there are a lot of names you've probably heard before. Keenan Cooper's a good player. He's playing with a cast in his right hand or left wrist. Uh, Troy Stoudemire is a guy I know you Iowa fans have heard of. He might not play this weekend because he has a uh, he had fractured a wrist three weeks ago. He's, he missed the last two or three games. I can't remember which. Uh, Kim Royston, longtime veteran. He's, in a, he's got a six-year this year after stuffing a broken leg last year. Up front, Brandon Kirksey, he's been around for a while. It just hasn't stopped anybody yet. I mean, they're down the bottom of the Big Ten, just about everything. The one There are a couple really stats, I think, that really say a lot about Minnesota's defense. I think they have five sacks this year. That's I think that's lowest in Division One, and I think they have I, I believe they have four takeaways this year, which is also worse than the Division One. So that tells me this te- this defense is not being very disruptive, which is kind of a defense's job. So you expect Iowa then to come out and try to do its traditional balanced attack because it might not matter. I wonder if how I don't think they're serious right now about getting a number two running back in. So I think you'll see a lot of Coker, uh, and you'll see uh, Marvin Dolphins continue to flow Marvin's way if he gets shut down. I wonder about Keenan's health. I mean, Keenan limped out the field last week. We, we saw him this uh, on Tuesday. He said he's, he's feeling pretty good, but I think that'll be uh, how he's feeling waking up Friday mor- or Saturday morning. So we'll see on Keenan. I think, yeah, I think you'll see a, a steady diet of Coker. did last year, too, up there. I think he finished with 90 yards, a true freshman against Minnesota. And, you know, he had the one big fumble at the end of the game that kind of, you know, I guess you could say, you, you could argue a lot of ways that it cost Iowa the game last year. I mean, he fumbled on a drive that they were moving to, 
go for uh, the winning points in the last minute or two. Fumbled, and he said that's something that stuck with him all year uh, in, the, in the summer and in winter workouts. So I imagine you'll see a focused Coker, and uh, he'll, he'll do a lot of damage. We usually focus on the week ahead, but you know something you just said reminded me of the... I was so struck last week by the fact that Ference and O'Keefe left Vandenberg in that Indiana game so long and towards the end he was taking some blindside sacks and risking injury and do you expect to see Vandenberg you talked about Coker probably staying in long do you expect to see Vandenberg stay in or maybe get Winky some more playing time frankly I think Vandenberg could use the time in uh, those blitzes that that he was getting hit on were ones that he should have seen coming. It's a, it's a major weakness of his. He doesn't he doesn't read the blitz very well. Uh, he doesn't he's been blindsided way too many times. Uh, and this goes back to 2009 against Minnesota. I mean he he doesn't. Now that's not just him. I mean, but it's a lot of it is what he sees and what he feels. And I think it's one part of his game that that uh, needs to tighten up. And not, it's not a major, you know, it's not a major blemish or anything like that, but it's something that needs to tighten up, no doubt. I think for the health of the team, sure, Wanky needs to be in there. But James Vandenberg is the quarterback for the next two years. Uh, and if he gets hurt, Iowa might just be in trouble either way. So, you know, do you protect him in the fourth quarter? Do you try to grow a guy who's a first-year starter? That is a tough question. Uh, you know, last week, you know, the game felt like it was in control. But, you know, with that defense and with... Uh, you know, I was trying to win every game, and it's, it, it really is station to station, week to week with the defense and the, the health issues there. You know, maybe, you know, Ferentz just wanted to, you know, maybe he's thinking, hey, this is not quite self of the way the way I think it should be. The game last year up there was so flat, the team. Talking to the players this week, do you think there's any chance they're going to be unprepared this Saturday? There's a chance. I mean, there's a chance because it's a new coaching staff, and there's a new preparation up there for against what Minnesota's doing. So there's that, there's that chance. Plus, you know, I, with, a, with a team that's gone through a lot of injury and a lot of roster turnover on defense, you wonder who's ready for what. You wonder where fatigue factor is. You, I imagine it's not there. Those are things that uh, Iowa has dealt with fairly well in the past. I mean, guy number three is usually as well coached as guy number one. He's paying attention to meetings. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, the whole next man in thing does, you know, it's not just a saying. It's something that they kind of believe in and buy into. And, and, and everybody, nobody's sleeping in the position group meetings. So. But that said, you know, it's, it's still a new preparation. It's still the first time I believe that Ferentz will have coached against a Jerry Kill team. It's a new preparation. And I think I think after last year, the way I went into that, I got to say, I have to think that their eyes will be wide open. Plus, this year's Iowa team has, I don't think, I mean, in my opinion, you need tell me if I'm wrong. They really shouldn't be looking out past anybody. You'd like to think that was the case. Is this another game where Iowa's offense is going to have to carry the day? I think that's what it's going to be the rest of the year uh, until, you know, if Tyler Nielsen can come back and bring some stability to the linebacker core. If I'm trying to think of a defensive line, there's there's no cavalry coming on the defensive line. Uh, Mike Daniels left a little bit last week. It looked like a foot or ankle injury. He He's He's got to play his best football of his career, and I think he is playing very, very solid football. Uh, I think Broderick Ben's also playing very, very solid football. 
they have to find some running mates. Uh, Dominic Elvis is close some weeks. I think he just needs to be a little more consistent. I think if he's there, uh, I think Iowa's got end taken care of. Tack, that second tackle spot's been in a revolving door. Uh, I thought Big Egg has, has shown some flashes. They should get Tom Nardo back this week. I think he will help, at least another body. But the defensive line is going to have to, uh, in the next few weeks, it's going to have it's going to have to grow and show that uh, it can be a foundation for this defense. I think the defense is uh, learning every week. And Kirk, Kirk mentioned uh, some subtle changes, and I imagine that's alignment. I imagine that's where guys are just shading and, and things like that, just to give the offenses a little bit something else to think about. But uh, like he said, I mean, there, there's no magic uh, a lot. There's no four three three four. There's no magic there. Defense is going to have to gut it out, and I think eventually it'll be how far Iowa gets will be on this defense. I had this discussion with John Bonenkamp in his segment, and I'll raise the same issue with you. Based on the stats and what fans have actually seen in the games, is it a fair statement to say that this defense really isn't improving, and whether it's an experience issue or injuries or a combination, and that at best, at least right now, it's mediocre? I think it's safe to say. Uh, they, they've had quite a I was going to say bad, but I, I tried to be generous with mediocre. Well, I don't know. It's hard to, for me, it's hard to say kids who are trying doing their best. It's hard for me to call them bad. I mean, I, I think that that, you know, you kind of let the numbers in the play say that for it, and they're borderline right now. This, this, this defense is borderline. There's only been four defenses since 1933 that have given up uh, uh, four, over 400 yards offense during the season. This team's at 406 right now, so that would put it in a really bad company. But I, I kind of I get excited to when I watch it to see how they pull it together, get enough out. I mean, there the few there are what I'm going to call fume stats that they're getting by on uh, the turnover the tur- uh, mar- uh, turnover margin is it's not an avalanche in Iowa's favor. It's a trickle, and that's enough to get by on. The red zone defense I mentioned earlier, uh, 70%, almost 71%, uh, Iowa keeps opponents from getting on the scoreboard when they enter the, the red zone. And Iowa, is its red zone has been entered quite a bit, uh, 31 times this year. That's bad. And then uh, what was the other stat? Oh, uh, penalties. Uh, Iowa is number four in the nation in penalty yards. I mean, that's, that's a team-wide thing, but, you know, pass interference on defense, personal fouls, uh, offsides. You know, I, I was kind of really towing the line there. And it's a fume stat. It's a little thing. But with this defense, every every little inch is uh, sort of adding up. Who are you going to focus on this weekend in terms of key players for Iowa? I, I think Iowa's offensive line sort of needs to send a statement this game. And I, it'd be, uh, I think Adam Geddes has elevated his play greatly the last two or three weeks. I think James Ferentz has been very, very steady. I'd like to see that other guard, whomever it is, Matt Tobin, Brandon Sheriff, whoever it is, kind of uh, take a step and grow. I think that really kind of needs to happen because, like, like you said, John, Iowa's best move, if we're going to call the rest of the season a wrestling match, Iowa's double-A takedown is the offense. I mean, the offense is going to it's going to have to keep pace with some, some uh, hellacious offenses here. I mean, Denard Robinson's coming the week after this, so... There you go. The scoreboard's going to move like a pinball machine. I think the offensive line needs to be solid, steady. Ferentz talked about it a little bit this week. He said, you know, there's some things going on there he doesn't like. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see with the offensive line. I think they need to take it one more step, move up the ladder a little bit. Defensively, I'm totally just watching the linebackers to see who the heck's out there. <laughs> I think it's uh, – I hate to predict – but right now, I would say Iowa's best lineup right now with James Morris nursing a uh, high ankle sprain. It's got to be. you got to be looking at uh, Tyler Nielsen in the middle. Christian Kirksey. But Christian Kirksey is a fabulous player. Uh, really coming through this year. I'm sure he's making mistakes, but he's playing through them. He's aggressive and he's playing fast. That's good. 
uh, outside linebacker, uh, I think Tommy Donatello plays better every week. Uh, I don't know if he's built for the position in the long run. I mean, he's 205 pounds, but he's playing better. And, and But I'm just watching the linebackers to see how they piece it together. It's the ultimate in, uh, in football triage in my mind. Prediction? I picked Iowa 48-24. to 24. I think uh, I think Vandenberg has one of those days where his pass efficiency is, looks like the national debt. Yeah, they're there you probably, go, John. A little, a, little politish, a little politics for you there, buddy. Yeah, they're probably going to need that kind of performance and prep <laughs> going into the two Michigan games. Game, so <laughs> they might, they might. Finish! Sir, do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A gopher. Gopher. Where? Do you know what gophers can do? Ooh, better get rid of those gophers. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. I'll put my best mind on it. I want you to kill every gopher. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. So that's going to do it. It is a final now here at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. The Hawkeyes beat Indiana 45-24, the final score. The Iowa Hawkeyes, they ride James Vandenberg, Marvin McNutt, Marcus Coker to move to 5-2 overall on the year. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And also check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams from across the country. Just click on the video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Hawkeye. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeyes Mike and on the Balbinot and Bromel Camp show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Post game show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights this week, and thanks to our contributors, John Bonenkamp and Mark Morehouse. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really, a lot of hustle. I liked it.
This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.